Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to Life on the Bubble. I'm Seth Greenberg. I'm excited to be joined by the head coach of Xavier, Sean Miller. Sean, first of all, congratulations on an incredible year. What was it like for you just this year going back to Xavier and, you know, getting them back to the tournament and kind of bringing that energy back to the program? Well, I would say, Seth, you know, it was it was a lot of fun, man. Uh, you know, I, I think you and I have talked several times, you know, when you don't really have a team like I, I went through kind of a year ago, I think you tend to see things differently, appreciate the game itself and uh, the players and the camaraderie and really that all goes with coaching and building a team and the winning and losing part of it. Um, very fortunate. We had a great group, especially on the offensive end. And uh, as you and I think everybody knows the Big East, as we look back, was one yeah. heck of a conference. And I think for us to be 15 and five and right there near the top with Marquette, it's quite a testament. You know, at the end of the day, we may uh, our, our greatest accomplishment might simply be that the fact that we beat UConn twice. Not sure how it happened, but uh, looking at what they've turned into, uh, that's something that obviously you're very proud of because of how good they are. Interesting watching your team and your teams have always been tough, physical, could score, but, you know, more built on the defensive. And I used to joke around, actually, we played a crazy game in Puerto Rico. And I remember shaking your hand before the game. You just turned to me and go, this is going to be a rock fight. Your team, <laughs> but, but, and it was a rock fight, uh, but your team this year played with great space and great flow. How much did you grow maybe as a coach offensively taking that year away and watching having a time because during the season you're coaching your team you don't have the same amount of time to look at the game maybe through a different prism yeah for sure Seth I made my mind up and I wasn't sure how the outcome would go that uh, we were going to kind of play at a faster pace more concepts less structure in terms of the actual sets etc which again allows you to play it more of a free faster pace and as you all well know it that sounds good but oftentimes <laughs> once you get into the thick of things you dial it back to maybe who you once were uh, you know we always tried to play at a faster clip when I was coaching before but uh, clearly uh, did things differently this year and a lot of it really stemmed from what you said a year away a year to see things uh, maybe more clearly and differently and you know it was, uh, it was excited to get the new opportunity to implement it and glad I did. What, how how different, like, you know, being away, I mean, like, the, the game, not just the game, because, you know, more people are playing four out, more people are playing with flow, but just everything about it from, you know, NIL to the transfer portal, how different is the job just a year or so later? Very, very different. You know, and I think it's really evolved a lot over about the last five years, maybe even the last decade. And, uh, you know, it's a reminder. And if you talk to other people like you often do, Seth, and just other walks of life and other industries, you know, in their world, it, it, it evolves and changes, too. When you're in the basketball grind of it in college basketball, sometimes you almost feel like, well, everything else stays the same except what you do. But I think all of us have to continue to adapt and evolve. The world is a, a different place, even just with the social media part of things. You think back to 10 years ago, it almost didn't exist. You look at it today and it's a, at the forefront of almost everything that we do. So evolving, adapting, hiring people and being around people that have that 
passion to do so. I think that that all comes uh, right now. If you're trying to attain success, it has to be a part of what you do. Well, I, I'm sure you watched the games yesterday. Uh, you have some familiarity with I'm San Diego State, spent all the time in the West Coast. Just in the first game, FAU San Diego State, what, what was your first takeaway as you watched that game? What, what was going through your mind? Really how well coached both teams were. You know, obviously Lamont Butler's shot will be uh, iconic for years to come, in particular if San Diego State would win the national championship. But just watching Brian Dutcher over the years and getting to know him, I mean, you know this, Seth. I mean, he spent a long time right next to Steve Fisher at both Michigan and San Diego State. When I first went to Arizona, uh, Kawhi Leonard was at San Diego State. I'll never forget. It was one of our early non-conference games in my first year there. And, you know, not knowing who Kawhi Leonard was going to become, you know, after that game, I just said, boy, things are going to be a lot worse here before they ever get better. You know, just simply because San Diego (laughs) State – was so much better than what we were there when I first got to Arizona. But Brian Dutcher helped build that program, you know, and and Dusty May, I mean, again, his rise, you know, from his days at at Florida and just watching what he's done at Florida Atlantic. I mean, heck, they could be playing for the national championship tonight. I mean, it's, I mean, the fact they're in the final four and, and, and they're such a good team uh, just goes to show the parity of, uh, of yeah. college basketball. I mean, look, it's never been closer. And, and you feel it in those early rounds, Seth, like when yeah. you're, we were a three seed this year and we played Kennesaw state and it's just such a bad feeling because on paper three versus 14 seems like a heavy favorite, but just the reality of it is playing one 40 minute game. There's just such a small window uh, between the two teams now. Yeah. It, I'll tell you what, I mean, it, it, it played at 145 unranked teams beat ranked teams this year. There were there are 11 yeah. teams in preseason top 25 that, you know, did not make the last top 25 before the NCAA tournament. Six top 25 teams in the preseason didn't even make the NCAA tournament. Well, it's and hard. Look, yeah. And in, in, in the decades, too, that you were really, you know, right in the middle of things coaching. You remember the statistic that we all felt in order to get to the final four, you had to have several McDonald's All-Americans yep. on your team. And it was a statistic that people would talk about virtually every final four well they almost do it in reverse today you know because i think when you look at for example fau san diego state you know the balance the balance of yukon um and miami you see that the value of age and experience plus talent yeah no there's no doubt about it it's uh you know for you know i mean that was americans pros there's just not a you know i mean like but yeah. Don't you think it's been going that direction? Like Villanova's two national championship. Now they had pros, but they were older. Carolina's teams were older. Baylor was older. You know, we've seen these old, mature, tough return on investment is what Mike Bray, you know, get old and stay old. I mean, it seems like, look, you need guys that can deal with the pressure of playing in the tournament and have been together and have a little toughness to them. Now you had, you had a great, a great transfer in uh, yes. Sulan Boom, Boom. Yep. I mean, he, he, yep. he was he was phenomenal. How quickly did it, and it was your first year there, so they were all learning with him. But uh, from that experience, like, how are you guys going to use the portal? Well, you look at Sule Boom. Sule came to us from UTEP. He had already scored 1,800 career points. You know, part of what we had to ask ourselves at this time last year is, 
can Sule make that complete transition to being a point guard, even though he scored at such a high level? A lot of people would say he was a smaller off guard. Uh, we right. bet on him, and uh, and we had an advantage because you know him being from the West, we knew him a little bit better. Right. Knew a lot of people that that were surrounding him. But uh, what you felt right away getting somebody of his age is just first of all him showing up on campus in the locker room, it was like a seamless transition. You know, mm -hmm. he's an adult. He really understood what it was like to be away from home, the importance of meshing with his teammates, you know, being here. He also understood winning as somebody who had yeah. never been a part of the NCAA tournament, you know, part of him wanting to come to Xavier and be a part of the Big East and our team was he wanted to win. So you know, I think sometimes uh, through the transfer uh, portal, you get the ready-made person yeah. not just a player somebody who's further up the line and really understands how difficult it is to win and what college basketball is all about yeah i think that's well put really really well put so the fau setting state game like were you surprised at the end of the game like dutch said 37 seconds left man we're just gonna get a stop we're gonna get a rebound we're gonna attack forget about the timeout all right, you know, we're going to we're going to do what we do. We 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 stay yeah. true to their, our identity. Was that a surprise to you or knowing him the way you knew him, you you expected that? I would say I expected it also because he has such a veteran group. You know, you mm -hmm. tend to trust not only a veteran group, but you think mm -hmm. about how long him and his staff have been at San Diego State. They just, you know, they they kind of are wired together and uh but yeah, and, and look, the other part of it is, and we see this all the time, you take the time out to get the last shot. Don't underestimate the power of the defense and the coach you're going against, how ready they can be, how they can switch their coverage, take maybe your best player away. And all of a sudden, yeah. in your intention of being more organized, in essence, you just, you organize them against you. You know, you, you watch the shot that he ended up getting. It was just. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Right out of free-flowing movement, and he ended up getting a really good two-point shot. Yeah, good job. It used to be a little back dribble to, to get to a really yeah. dribble. How about the free-throw blockout stuff? Like, I'm starting to – like, I, I grabbed Synergy this morning. I started to go over it a little bit. And they are good at that. I mean, like, that. it yeah. seems to me like they have a plan of at least, you know, if you just step in, they're going to get a hand on the ball. Is that something that – You've seen him 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 do when you played against him. I mean, because I'm watching. Are you talking San Diego State offensive yeah. rebounding on free throws? The best in the world. Throws. Yeah, um, Seth, I'm telling you, they did it at Michigan when Steve Fisher was the head coach. Mm -hmm. Ian Dutcher was the assistant. When the Fab Five played, if you go all the way back to that, they were amazing at, at again, missed free throws, getting a second shot, and uh, – I actually talked to Brian Dutcher about it um, during my time at Arizona at the end. And, and that was just like, I felt like we had a couple bigger players and I wasn't sure about our free throw shooting. Sure enough, like he calls it cross. It's part mm -hmm. of what they do. And no doubt when you play them, 
that's always something like just in terms of scouting and preparation that you have to be aware of, make your team aware of, remind them during the game, because you're right. They'll get the back-breaking second shot right off the oh, free throw. There's some, uh, I talked to Izzo this morning, and, and we were talking about it. He said, you know, day before every game, it's the last thing they do. Day of every game, it's the last thing they do, free throw block out. Yeah. And, and, you know, we've all done it, but, I mean, watching how they offensively rebound, I mean, I, shoot, that might be at the front of my – practice plan not at the back of my practice plan playing those guys <laughs> yeah I mean, no no they and it's a method to their madness to their credit it's not th- something that just happens i mean it's part of to me uh what they do as a, as a program and have done for a long long time i mean when Kawhi Leonard, Leonard played there in that group and it wasn't yeah. just him it was something that no matter who you talk to about San Diego State they would constantly uh bring bring it up wow, this, though, that's crazy the offensive rebounding as you know, is somewhat understated with UConn because right. of their firepower from three and their individual players in depth. You know, you just you don't really always bring it up. I mean, they're number one in America. They were yeah. number one in the Big East. I mean, their ability to get second shots most of the time is the difference between them winning. And, and I think in some ways right now, it's what's controlling the margin of victory. You know, why it isn't yeah. even close is they're doing all these – and they are just pummeling you on the on the glass. I thought yeah. last night a couple of times Miami's only chance at defensive rebound, and they couldn't do it. Yeah, they they had a couple of runs where they had a chance, but then they couldn't get the stops because they were giving them second shots. Right. Watching watching that game, I mean, like it was mind boggling to me. Like I, I'm a big Andre Jackson fan. I just think he like you yep. can't scout him because you can't game plan for him because the dude is a great passer. He's relentless defensively. He rebounds the ball, you know. He does things that are just really, really hard to uh, to play, you know, to prepare for. So uh, they've just got so many different ways, Sean, to beat yeah. you. But uh, you know, it, it's really fascinating. They got 14 feet of post guy. They got Jackson flying all over the place. Maybe Tristan Newton, I thought was his Achilles heel, but his light bulb has gone on. Well, like you, you beat him twice, but what, what? Do you see any difference in them now in this moment in time than maybe in league play, except in league play, you're obviously a lot more familiar with them. Yeah. I mean, in in fairness to UConn, uh, I don't think the team that I had would beat them today. They've evolved, they've grown, they're better, they're confident. Uh, But remember at one point in the big East, they lost six of eight games. Yeah. I think we might've been at the beginning of that streak and we also might've been at the end. Uh, in our two games against UConn, they shot 65 threes. Now, if they had a big night, we probably wouldn't be talking about, you know, any we had against UConn. But sometimes, just because of the way they're wired, you know, they can maybe more of those. And I would say, like, back then and who they are today, it seems like they're more aware and balanced of getting those twos, making sure that they don't get too far away from Sonogo and then, you know, even Klingon, I mean, he's really good off the bench. Oof. But I, I think like uh, a couple of things with UConn strengths, uh, they share the ball in transition as well as any team in the country. You know, they they a lot of times their best three point shots in those spurts that they've become known for. It happens in that defense to offense. And you're yeah. right. Andre Jackson, you know, he's always thinking pass. He makes the one more. He gives the ball up early when he has the ball in transition. 
he finds his teammates. And, you know, when he gets rid of it, the person that receives the pass can usually shoot the three or score inside. Mm -hmm. So he has a lot of weapons, but I think like transition is really big next offensive rebounding. If you think about it, they're killing you on the offensive glass. They're number one in America and they're, they're as good as you can be in transition. And those are two of the hardest things to take away, Seth, as you know. So I think whatever team beats them, and I do think San Diego state's going to play them really tough. You got to negate their advantage on the glass and you got to get your defense set. I think that becomes the starting point of then, okay, now I have a chance to maybe look at these things to maybe have an opportunity to beat them. How about, uh, I watched them and, and at times they foul themselves into yeah. a problem, like, like the, the defending without fouling because they are, Look, they guard the ball. I mean, they're connected defensively. I think they're phenomenal defensively. I really do. I think that they got versatility defensively. And even when 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 Jackson went out yesterday, I thought I thought Joey California came in and guarded. You know, I thought yeah. Nahimaline competed defensively. I thought Caravan might be the least appreciated. I mean, he did a good job on Jordan Miller. And Jordan Miller's really yeah. a hard matchup. I mean, they're, yeah, they're you know, versatility I, I, defensively. I think Danny uh, Hurley and his staff have, have done an amazing job of taking an incredibly talented team and making sure that each one of those guys knows their role. And I, I think that's some of what he did during the Big East season where when a guy maybe got off course, you know, uh, he, he fixed it and they improved it. But when you think of each one of the players, and there's nine of them, they have great depth. They all really know who they are and they're different from each other. You know, Hawkins, yeah. the other part, you have to talk about him. I mean, he is such an elite shot maker. Uh, you know, Ben Matherin, who played at Arizona, Ray Allen, those types of players, I think yeah. in the years, years to come in the future, you're going to see Hawkins being that type of shot maker, man. He can really move without the ball and he's got great size. He jumps and, and, and shoots the ball over people. You know, you think about him, but Caravan is really good, excellent offensive rebounder, a really good shooter. And, and Seth, he doesn't play like a freshman. But no. I think that the definition of roles that you talked about, I think yeah. it, you can see it on defense. You can also see it on offense. And clearly UConn's a team that, that really got better. When we were in the Big East tournament, Marquette beat them in a Big East tournament semifinal. And I thought it was like an amazing game and accomplishment for Marquette to beat them. But other than that, they had won, I think, five in a row or six in a row leading into the Big East tournament. They played in the Big East tournament. You think about it, they're like 13 of their last 14 games against some really good competition. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, 100%. How about offensively? I I say they might be one of the better cutting off-the-ball offensive teams. Like, then they're not held hostage to just playing ball screen offense. Like, like yep. they run some, like they're going to move the ball, move the people. They're they're going to have a little bit of misdirection. The court's going to be spread. Uh, they do a good job of rolling Sonogo into the block out of some of the stuff. Yet they also have their straight, quick, high, low post up stuff that they do. But as a cutting team, especially Hawkins, I think Hawkins and Caravan are doing a really good job of setting up on all the three screen action. That's yep. hard. Is that harder to prepare for? Because you're so used to just. We got to guard slot ball screens. We got to guard middle ball screens. We got to guard Spain action. We got to guard drags, and it you know they get to that. But they get to any of the times they get to that. They get to that after the ball has been moved side to side a little bit. 
they really move the ball well, for sure. Uh, I would say in the half court, once you get past offensive rebounding and their transition game, then I think it starts with Sunogo. You know, they they run three or four, or four or five things where it's just, hey, look, things aren't going well for us. Let's stabilize. And that means the ball's getting into there, usually yeah. high-low. You have right. to be aware of those. You have to try to take those away. And I think you, your best bet is to try to get Sonogo to score over you. If he has an angle or you front him or he's got an advantage, Seth, I mean, his percentages have to be probably above 70 because yeah. the shots he takes are all great shots, you know. But I think yeah. it starts there. And then I think number two is Hawkins off ball screens. You're right. It's not like ball screens. It's not a lot of dribbling. It's cutting and screening away from the ball, which I think is to UConn's advantage because not a lot of teams guard those actions. I mean, I think when San Diego State is preparing, they're going to have to call upon examples from the Mountain West of teams who did more off-ball screening than on-ball because that's UConn. And being able to take that away, facing him, and then understand they can do the same things with Caravan. And Caravan oftentimes is guarded by a four. And then the last part, and you hit on it, I think the third thing in the half court is Newton. And he's done a better job. He has improved as the year has gone on in that middle ball screen. And, uh, hey, look, sometimes at the end of the game, Newton has 20 points. (laughs) You know, and, and, you know, I guess if that's at the expense of Sonogo or Hawkins, fine. But when he's that third scorer, uh, they're impossible to beat. And he's big, right? I mean, I, I you know, he is six three, like pretty good size. I mean, he's got. It looks like he's like I watched him early in the season a bunch of times. I went like three weeks in a row for for a day, and I thought I I wondered if he could play in traffic. Now I watch him, and he's much better playing through contact than playing in traffic. It seems to me. Again, I'm not I'm not looking at him like I'm preparing to play against him, but just you know, as I watch. Synergy and I watch stuff. It seems like he's gotten stronger, lower with the ball and more purposeful with the ball. Well, yes. And I think the other thing that UConn has done, Seth, is to take pressure off of maybe something he's not good at, handling pressure from smaller guards for 40 minutes. They have multiple people that can initiate their offense. I mean, if you watch him at times, Andre Jackson will initiate it. You know, Calcaterra will initiate it, Aline. You know, they move it around. So every once in a while, like right when you feel like he's being pressured, next thing you know, he doesn't bring the ball up the court. So they've that's another yeah. thing that I think that that Danny and his staff have, have done a great job. They're playing without a true point guard, but what they in fact have is three or four guys that can really handle and pass, including Caravan, who's their foreman. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> they're good, man. They really, you yeah. know, I, I will say this. If, if I predicted tonight, like, you you know, you you have to, I would say that San Diego State and UConn, it's going to be a great game because I do think San Diego State is one of the few teams that can defend them. They're top yeah. five in the country in, in defense. They've been that from like November all the way to March. They're older. And I think they can handle them on the glass as well as you can keep them out of transition and then when it's a half court game UConn will maybe be playing against the best half court defensive team they faced all year long so I, I think with that uh, all things considered if San Diego State can manufacture enough points I think it's going to be a great national championship game 
And you hit it right on the head. We're going to have to make a selection. And half of the people are going to go, oh, you're a genius. And the other half of the people go, you hate San Diego State. You hate UConn. <laughs> you <know? laughs> like I really, if I knew the answer to the question, I'd be in Vegas. Someone would be feeding me grapes and I'd be drinking champagne. But yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> you know, I, one thing I will say, Seth, being in the West for 13 years and being away from uh, the Big East, returning back to UConn, I, I will say their fan base is, Second to Oof. none. I mean, yeah. they are vicious in a good way. I mean, they support the Huskies. It is a real task to beat them at Gamble. Uh, and, uh, you know, you feel it. Your team feels it. And, you know, they have a, they have an amazing following. They really do. Yeah, it'll be fun. Well, hey, I appreciate it. Sorry to take up so much of your time, but I appreciate your insight into both of those teams and both of the coaches. And uh, and congratulations again on, a, on an incredible incredible year. Good luck in recruiting and uh, hopefully we'll get to see you this summer. All right. Hey, Seth, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. All right. Stay well, Sean.